1: Everyone, JJ Cooper, Matt Eddie here, another baseball America playoff podcast. Here we got a lot to cover on a on a wild weekend as we thankfully still have baseball to go. We still have at least a game six. We may have a game seven still, which I'm sorry, if you're a baseball fan, you always want to have a game seven. I guess if you're a Dodgers fan, maybe you don't. Anyone other than that, you want to see a game seven of the World Series. Any apologies on this one? We may have a little bit more background noise. We're both working from home and and, and have kids. So you you know how that goes, um, probably, as you're listening to this. But we have a lot to cover. A great weekend of, of, of baseball. A great weekend, really, I think, for... It, it made this World Series already stands above many because it's gone back and forth. It's 3-2, which... Uh, you you can't have a great series that goes 4-0. You can be a fan of it for the team if you're a fan of the team, but great World Series don't go 4-0. But I would also say with that, that great World Series, you want to have at least that one classic game. Matt, the first question I'll start out by asking you is, is, does game four clear that bar? Is that a a, a World Series classic that we'll remember for years to come?
2: Oh, definitely. So you have the, the multiple lead changes, that hectic ninth inning was just fantastic i think it was kind of the antidote that baseball needed this year with all of the home runs strikeouts and walks we've got a lot of actual baseball um a key pinch hit um some defensive adventures misadventures and some great base running uh, drama i think it had that that bottom of the ninth had everything
1: and you have the unlikely hero uh, <laughs> brett phillips it, it, if you cover the minors we do It's hard not to like Brett Phillips. Brett Phillips is a great guy. He's always, you know, he's been throughout his career and his career has already been Astros, Brewers, Royals, Rays. That's quite a career for a guy who really hasn't had a whole lot of major league at-bats. But as he stepped to the plate with two outs in the ninth inning, needing a hit to keep the Rays, well, either to keep the Rays alive or to finish the game, that is not the hero that you were... If you were going to predict coming into that game, who's going to be the hero at the plate for the Rays? Brett Phillips would have been one of the last answers you've come up with on a roster that had a whole lot of names. And for him to come up with it there, helped, as you said, helped by a lot of defensive miscues. But you couldn't help... But that's one of the things I love about baseball. I, I, it happens like that often. It, it's a situation where... You don't get to decide like you do in many other sports. In the NBA, there's no real logical reason that a guy of Brett Phillips caliber is the guy who's going to take the last shot. If that happens, it's because you screwed up. In the NFL, you want the ball in Tom Brady's hands or Peyton Manning's hands or Russell Wilson's hands at the end of the game. You don't talk about, well, we got this third string quarterback and we're going to bring him in for that moment. But in baseball, you don't get to arrange that. Brett Phillips comes in to pinch run a couple of innings before. And here you go, whether you planned it or not, Brett Phillips is the player who's stepping to the plate with the game on the line. And I mean, two outs in the bottom of, you know, in the ninth, it's the game on the line. And here he goes and he gets the big hit. It's one of the things I just love about baseball. You know, you can talk about the 27 outs. It's not over till it's over. But I think one of the other things is, you have players ending up producing in situations or not producing in situations where in most sports, they would never even get the opportunity.
2: Yeah, and you mentioned that Phillips came in as a pinch runner and he did some good base running on that play too because he would have been at third base. Had Rosarino been thrown out at the plate, he would have been on third with two outs for, I guess, who, who was the next hitter, the seventh hitter? Uh, I got to have to look that up. I, I do but not. We talk it. about it. It would have been another. It would have been another unlikely postseason hero. More than likely, had Phillips been on third with two outs,
1: you know. But uh, again, that was the game that that kind of makes the series to me. Um, you know, I, I don't expect another game that good the rest of the series because we rarely get that. To me, was the best game since the. Uh, since the by the way sorry i do want to clarify one thing he wouldn't have been standing at third because that would have been the third out that has sent us to extra because there were okay. two outs with phillips was batting so it wouldn't have been standing on third it would have been okay you know a rosarena thrown out at the plate and uh let's go on to extras <laughs> but but the i we that was to me the best world series game we've had i would go back to 2016 game seven that's the one 2016 game seven -hmm. Is it's hard to top that. Like when I think of again, that you get an extra added bonus for being game seven, 2016 game seven, 2014 game seven, the heroics of Madison Bumgarner, but not just the heroics of Madison Bumgarner, but remembering that in that game, Alex Gordon is held at third. And so, you know, like there's that decision should he have, should they have sent him or not? Again, in the ninth, those games are all timers and again you throw the aim seven part of it in and it's just hard to top but that said it's it, this last two games of the series i felt like game five game five we'd be talking about as great game if not for the fact that it comes in the shadow of game four but i felt like that last night had a lot of kind of tense moments strategic decisions <laughs> you had the do you want okay so you bring Victor Gonzalez in if you're Dave Roberts which gets G. Van Choi out of the game but also means that Victor Gonzalez the lefty has to fake Frandia Rosarena which Mm -hmm. I think that Dave Roberts on a pretty small island of people who thought that that that's the decision you wanted to make but last night's game was was thrilling as well intense
2: it really was and the Rays got the tying run to the plate again Uh, we could have had another walk off and you know, the Dodgers bullpen being as shaky as it has looked at times this postseason, you know, you probably felt pretty good about a Rays possibility to come back. So
1: but with that, I felt like that that was the game that the Dodgers really needed to win. Like if the Dodgers don't win that game, it gets a little bit um at that point, then the Rays have to feel really good about their chances because needing to win one of two. I feel like Game Six is kind of the one. I feel like we got a good shot at Game Seven now because the 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 Rays are a little better set up from a uh, from a pitching standpoint. I think for for Game Six, but then obviously Game Seven, you're going to have Walker Bueller likely on the mound for Game Seven, which gives the Dodgers back an advantage for Game Seven because Walker bueller has been great. Matt, how much if, as just a fan of baseball, as a fan of great baseball players, how much are you hoping? that there's not a moment where you get to a game seven of this series. It's the seventh inning and Clayton Kershaw gets up in the pen because Clayton mm-hmm. Kershaw has, has had the World Series that he kind of needed to have to kind of put to somewhat to rest the best pitcher of this generation or one of the best two pitchers of this generation has pitched great in the playoffs. He's pitched great in the world, pitched very well in the World Series, I guess I should say. If that's it, if he doesn't pitch again in the series, we can kind of put the, oh, he doesn't pitch well in the postseason behind him, but there's still the possibility of two more games. I I personally dread the idea of Clayton Kershaw pitching again in the series.
2: (laughs) Yeah, that, that will be an interesting question, especially because the Dodgers bullpen is going to be probably pushed pretty hard in game six because of, you know, likely Tony Gonsolin start, likely a kind of all hands on deck kind of game. Um, so there is the distinct possibility of Kershaw, Urias pitching some relief in game seven.
1: But I, I do. there was one thing about that game five I did want to talk about that just struck me because it's one of the things that just shows like how, get, how the game has continued to advance and how it's difficult to fully even understand it and comprehend it. Like the, Vic, the Victor Gonzalez, G-Man Choi, Randy Rosarena. One of the things that stands out to me about that is the part that we don't know, the, the, the hidden part of this. Much like when I talk about, the Rays had 59 different lineups this year in 60 games. They platooned in some way. Platoon's probably not even the right word, but they, they best match their lineup every day by a wide variety of metrics, internal metrics. Here's why we're gonna play this guy. Here's why we're not gonna play this guy. And the thing that just stands out to me that I do wonder about with Victor Gonzalez, who got the out against Randy Rosarena, is as fans, even as people who follow the game very closely, we can look at lefty righty. Hey, you know, you don't want to have the lefty face the righty. That's so far to me below what is actually being looked at in these games, where it's much more of how does this pitcher's pitches play with this batter's, how, you know, how he plays. I think that there's a lot going on there that I often wonder is if it's just kind of below the surface to where we can't even fully comprehend it. I'm not saying that we just automatically say the managers always have more information than everyone else. And so therefore their decisions are always the right process, even if we don't comprehend it. I don't want to go that far with it, but I do, when I was watching that, I was just thinking, you know what, I don't want to make this as simple as you got a lefty facing Randy or Rosarena, you don't want a lefty to face Randy Rosarena because I promise you that the Dodgers analysis of that goes so far beyond that, that there's some of that that's public facing that we can kind of try to infer. But I, as we sit here working on prospect lists, the amount of information that we can go through just with public facing information and some reporting that we've done is almost overwhelming. For a World Series, I can't even imagine how much data is going into the decisions on, here's the pitchers that we want to face these guys. Here's the batters that we want to get up against these relievers for them, vice versa.
2: Yeah, and, you know, perhaps Gonzalez is a better matchup for a Rosarena than we would believe just because a Rosarena has shown he can take, you know, the the fastball away out to the big part of the park. Um, So maybe you do want somebody who can locate off speed off the plate, which is something that Gonzalez was, uh, was trying to do there.
1: And, and uh, again, it was one pitch boom out, you know, it it did work. I, that that's one of those things where I just, I I get, (sighs) I, I expect uh, that there are often further factors that go beyond the surface level and, I'm often trying to interpret what those are but sometimes I also kind of throw my hands up and go we may not know and the reality of it is is whether that decision works or not we're probably not going to find out after the game either I imagine I mean what I mean what Um, do you think like there's just so much out there
2: (laughs) and and it feels like Dave Roberts is working with like two relievers at this point where he trusts you know it seems like Trinan and Gonzalez are the guys he goes to moment of truth and like you know I think there's also an element of that of just necessity.
1: Well, that that's kind of one of the interesting things also Blake Trinan. They were able to say, well, Kenley Jansen has been used up, but Blake Trinan is the one who was kind of asked to get the, the the big outs in the ninth last night and did. Um, and I do feel like that right now he's probably their most effective, you know, reliever. That said, it is going to be really interesting as we look through these final two days, these final two games, I should say. You you hit on it. I kind of feel like with the Dodgers, it's very much, there's a lot more trust level in their starters right now. Well, a couple of their starters than there is in the relievers. So uh, I, I would be interested to see someone posed this question to me. I thought it was a good question. I know what my answer was, but maybe yours is different, which is let's say that you get to the seventh or eighth inning in game six of the Dodgers, and you've got a two or three run lead. How much do you crack into the Walker Buellers Hulu Urius is to try to get you that W that means you don't have to worry about game seven? Or how much do you want to save those guys, give Bueller full rest so he can start on game seven or give Urius an extra day and you feel like that you can kind of use the Bueller Urius combo to maybe get you 21, 24 outs of a potential game seven, even if that puts you at a little bit less advantageous matchups at the end of a game six that you might be leading?
2: Oof. Um, I think you have to treat it as must win. I don't know Bueller's comfort level coming back on short rest, I, I, hmm, that is really tough. Um, I would have to think Urias would be in play because we've seen him in this role. I don't know about this, um, this little rest, but we've seen him come in late in close games. Like uh, where do you come down on that? I'll give you my answer. i to run into a quick
1: message, quick break, and then I'll be back and give you my answer to that. Guys, take a look at a picture of yourself from a couple of years ago. Maybe there are a few more pounds there like there are of me. Maybe there's hopefully a few less. But look at your hair. Is there as much hair there now as there was a few years ago? A lot of guys, the answer is no. Two out of three guys will experience some form of male pattern baldness by the time they're 35 best way you can keep yourself from losing your hair is to do something about it while you still have hair left to do something with. And now there's a way to do that from your own home. The simple and easy way to keep your hair is with keeps. You can get treated at home. You don't have to go to the doctor's office. Thanks to the keeps, you can visit a doctor online and get hair loss medication delivered right to your home. They make it easy and deliver your medication every three months so you can say goodbye to pharmacy checkout lines and awkward doctor visits. And Keeps offers the generic versions of the only two FDA-approved hair loss products out there. If you've tried them before, you've probably never tried them at this price. Keep treatments usually take between four to six months to see results. So it's important to act fast. The sooner you start using Keeps, the more hair you'll save. Find out why Keeps has more five-star reviews than any of its competitors. And more than 100,000 men trust Keeps for their hair loss prevention medication. Keeps treatments start at just $10 a month. Plus, for a limited time with this special offer, you can get your first month free get your first month free and you want to take action and prevent hair loss, go to keeps.com slash baseballamerica and get your first month of treatment for free. That's K-E-E-P-S dot com slash baseballamerica. And we're back. So we were talking before the break about do you use your do you use Urius or even Bueller in game six if you're the Dodgers as a reliever if you got to lead late? Urius, maybe because I do think for game seven everyone's even if you pitch Urius for an inning in game six you could still use him again in game seven you could use Kershaw in game seven you could use Dustin May in game six and seven since you're using as a reliever all hands on deck for a game seven I don't use Bueller in game six I don't care what the situation is to me you have a chance to you you could win this without using Bueller that would be if you're the Dodgers you're that's great but The biggest thing you have is I don't want to the the worst case scenario here possible is you bring Bueller in late and then Bueller comes in and somehow does it blows it. And then all of a sudden you're disadvantaged for game seven. I want the chances to win game six and I want the chances to win game seven. And as long as I've got Walker Bueller going in game seven, I feel great if I'm the Dodgers about my chances to win game seven, Walker Bueller's been the best pitcher in the postseason for the Dodgers and maybe the best pitcher in the postseason period this year. So I don't want to in any way screw up game seven to try to win game six. I want to win game six. But again, if you use Julio Urias, who's also got today off, you know, everyone has today off, using him for an mm-hmm. inning in the next game in game six would not prevent him from pitching again, I would think in game seven. That being said, I would, I would be fine with using that. Um, the other thing that just stands out to me Overall, about this season, you know, this this series is, you know, there's a lot of talk about the Dodgers two out hitting. I think a lot of that just comes back to again, it is great situational hitting, but the other part of that is just this Dodgers lineup is so insane that the guys who are coming up with two outs are generally great hitters because there are very, very, very few easy outs, if any easy outs in this Dodgers lineup. And I would say that in a little bit of comparison to this race lineup, which does feel like you kind of go through a lot of games where it's like, okay, so who's coming up this inning? Oh, this is the inning that they need to get some runs.
2: I agree. Like even left-on-left even left matchups aren't a huge disadvantage for the Dodgers. It seems like their left-handed hitters are taking some good swings for the most part, you know, Muncie in particular. But I agree with you. Like one to nine, it's, it's got to be one of the best lineups
1: it, it, I mean, again, this is uh, how often do you have a team that has the NL MVP in their lineup? And I think he's probably the third best hitter in the lineup right now because <laughs> Mookie Betts is clearly better. And I think right now you could say that Corey Seeger's better than Cody Bellinger. That's how oh, deep yeah. this lineup is. And by the way, Justin Turner is one of the better players of the second half of the 2010s. And he's like the fourth best hitter in the lineup. This is just a really insanely deep lineup. What, what else has stood out to you so far of the series? What else, are, or what are things that you're looking for for these final two games?
2: Well, to me, the big question is how the Dodgers approach the pitching assignment for game six. You know, we've seen Tony Gonsolin on short rest in game two. We've seen him work in the LCS round, like out of, out of schedule, out of rhythm. So I don't think we've seen the real Tony Gonsolin yet this postseason. So to me, that's going to be, potentially one of the biggest storylines. And if he delivers five quality innings for them or four plus, that's going to be huge. I,
1: yeah. I mean, again, this is, this is the game. Game six is the game that obviously the Rays have to win it. That's the nature of an elimination game. But beyond that, it is the game that the Rays have to be able to feel like going into this. Okay, we've got a pretty good shot here. Um, You know, the reality of it is, for all we talk about the Rays and the Rays are the team that, you know, kind of invented the opener and all that. The Rays are the ones who have approached this series so far from a very conventional standpoint, which is we have a starting pitcher. Like last Glasgow last night was getting utterly ripped early on. They didn't go to the pen. They, they left him out there. And as the game went along, he started to finally start rolling and all. They treated it more like a... You know, th- this is a team that's basically gone out there and handed the ball to someone and said, go out and get us out as a starter. Where the Dodgers have been the ones who kind of have games where it's like, okay, Tony Gonson went out there for game two and then, you know, was not out there for long. And they've done that irregularly. We may see that in game six. We don't know. But it is funny to me that we flipped what was kind of the, has been the script for the Rays. I think the big thing about that though is, is that with all these teams is the scripts flip based on what you are doing at that moment. Like you, what you're, everyone's trying to do. The tradition is not a big concern here. Everyone is trying to figure out what is the best way that we could get 27 outs tonight and set us up to get 27 outs the next game or the game after that. And now we're at the point where a game, six, game, seven, two games. You don't start, you stop thinking as much about what's happening later in the series, because if you, Again, with the day off today, the reset today, pretty much anyone, and I mean anyone, is available if necessary to pitch one of the final two games. No one who pitched, if, you, if, if the Rays think that Tyler Glassno can get them some outs in game seven and they need it and they get to a game seven, they're not going to say, oh, we can't use Glasnow because he pitched in game five. This is the part where it gets really fun and Uh, Again, the the thing that stands out about it is, is that because we've already got, we've gotten to a game six, it may have been, it may be a baseball season unlike any other. That said, the postseason feels semi-normal now. Like we've gotten past the, the expanded wildcard round. We've gotten past the expanded division series and all that. Now we're in a world series and it just feels like a really good world series to me. And one that I, to be honest, I'll remember, you know, probably more fondly as far as the quality of it than a lot of World Series that we face, whether it's a coming at the end of a 60-game season or not.
2: Yeah, no doubt, because we have two evenly matched teams, number one seeds. Both of them had thrilling seven-game LCS victories, which we haven't seen since 2004, where both LCSs went the distance. And now we might get to cap that off for the seven-game World Series. I'm, I'm, right, I'm right there with you. This is this is the defining moment of the 2020 season.
1: And the other thing I'll say with that is I've said this consistently back to June, when this is over, if you're the Rays or you're the Dodgers, there's no part of this. And especially if you're a Rays fan or a Dodgers fan, there's no part of this where you're going to say, eh, it doesn't really count because you know, it was a 60 game season. It wasn't normal. You don't care. This is, Either team who wins this will have gone through the toughest postseason any team has ever gone through to win a World Series. I there's just, I mean, it's the longest postseason. They've had more to overcome. It does make uh, great that Randy Rosa Reina has some records. Okay, let's just be honest about it. Saying most in a postseason in this series, this season compared to a normal one doesn't is not at comparing apples to apples in any way shape or form most in a world series anyone does that that's that you're comparing apples to apples there but having so many extra games makes a little different comparing this to especially you know even postseason of a normal year and by the way even those records are kind of bogus because you know we just added (laughs) wild card we used to be that it was just the world series well, yes, you can't have 20-some hits. And, you know, it's really hard to have 20-some hits in a World Series, which is what we played for the first, you know, 50, 60 years, basically, of this. So, altogether, though, a great postseason so far, a great World Series so far. I, I'm hopeful. I'm with you, Matt. I, I really am hopeful that we're going to see that that next step To take this from being a really good World Series to being a great one, really at this point just requires, it does seem to require a raise win in game six. If we get that and a good game seven, this is an all-time classic to me.
2: Yeah, and I think it's notable that I think we're seeing more World Series push to the limit, which has been great. You know, five of the 10 during the 2010s went the distance. So this is a kind of a continuation on that trend and it's, it's a welcome one.
1: A very welcome one. So we will be diving in tomorrow. We will be looking forward to game six. We'll be back again to kind of analyze that on uh, Wednesday morning. We won't have a playoff podcast. We may have another one. We won't have a playoff podcast tomorrow morning because we don't have any games to analyze tonight. But it'll be fun. We're looking forward to it. And thank you for the download. If you have downloaded Baseball America podcast, feel free to leave us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or whatever your favorite uh, podcast aggregator is. And we also do want to thank you all of our Baseball America subscribers. You go baseballamerica.com. You can click on shop or store there and uh, you can join them. We have a lot of stuff coming out. We're starting rolling out the top 10s. They're coming. As soon as the World Series is over, we'll be in top 10 time. Prospect season is just around the corner. We're already as crazy enough. I'm making calls now to work on uh, the NL Central top 10s that I've got coming up because that's how far prospect season never stops at baseball america even in a year where there was there were no minor league games by the way speaking of that we'll have stories up this week about what's going on in the minor league negotiations a lot of stuff coming at baseball america check it out baseballamerica.com format i'm jj so long everybody